Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Every year you have something to prove. This is a competition-driven league. Of course, it's not like NBA where everything is guaranteed. You can get cut at any given time. So anytime you step on that field, there's something to prove, and that's been my mindset. Every time I step on a practice field, there's something for, for me to prove. All right, the shout song will be back tonight at Ralph Wilson Stadium. The Buffalo Bills open up their preseason against the Indianapolis Colts. As Nate mentioned in the update, we will have the broadcast. Leading into it will be one Sal Capaccio. He'll also be on the sidelines, and he joins me now here on Sports Talk Saturday. Hi, Sal. Hi, Matt. How are you, man? Oh, you know, I don't know. I came in today, and I was feeling good. I took the dog for a walk. It's a little breezy. You know, it's still hot, but I was like, yeah, it's a good day. Football's going to be back. I'm excited. And then Nate played me this clip of Colin Cowherd and Jason Whitlock (laughs) going off on Tyrod Taylor as a $100 million man and about the city of Buffalo and everything else. And I feel like right from that moment, I just have not been able to collect myself. So far today. I hear you. I hear you. It's 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 the national. It's such a they're just not clued in to the perspective and exactly what the situation was here and what the deal is. And they obviously host a talk show where their job is to basically just scream a lot of things to get people riled up. And that's what they did. And the funny thing is, uh, Colin's doubling down. I actually follow Colin on Twitter and I enjoy Colin Coward. He's I, I, I like listening to him. I know people don't a lot of them out there, but. Some Bills fans have kind of said that, like, hey, man, you don't understand the deal. And he just called Tyrod Taylor on Twitter a C-minus quarterback. So if that's what he feels, that's what he feels. I, I disagree. I don't think Tyrod Taylor is a C-minus quarterback. And I think this is de- this deal is really, really good for both sides, especially for the Bills, though. I, I think it's actually low for what Tyrod accepted. You know what's funny about that, though, is even if he's right and Ty- Tyrod Taylor is a C-minus quarterback, this is a contract for a C-minus quarterback. <laughs> and that's, that's why right. it's so that's good right. for the Bills. They gave a they gave to, a quarterback a to look at it. Like yep. Pro Football Focus, Football Outsiders, the other statistical analyst websites and stuff. Put him in the middle, somewhere around 15, which I think is really fair. And but even if you said like he's the 20th best quarterback in the league, okay, we'll approve it contract, and then after that, a very reasonable cap hit sounds like a lower end quarterback which is why it's a good deal for the Bills because you're paying lower-end starter money for someone who is probably higher than that. 17 quarterbacks in this league currently make $18 million average per year or higher, and I understand that there's lots of ways to massage that, but generally just the base way you look at it, $18 million per year, 17 quarterbacks in this league make that. Tyrod Taylor would be in that company essentially once this new money kicks in and then we talk about you know, going forward. So the Bills, if he performs, the Bills have Tyrod Taylor for five years at ranked probably by then. After, By the way, guys are going to get new deals within the next year or so. So by then he will literally be about the 20th ranked quarterback as far, in next year. 
for the next five years. So he'll probably be, by the end of the contract, ranked 25th or 26th in the league, an average per year deal. I mean, the smart people that I follow That's on amazing. Twitter were saying this deal is not good for Tyrod, that they were surprised that his agent would even take this contract because it is so team-friendly. Although, you could also say, if he plays well this year, he's got $27.5 million just waiting for him. So, uh, you know, even if it's a, quote, bad contract, $27.5 bucks just waiting there to go in your old bank account, uh, that's not too bad. No, that's right. And, you know, maybe we should, you know, kind of spell it out here for everybody so they understand. And we don't know all of the official details yet, but uh, I think that's an interesting point, though, about, you know, did he accept too little and why did he not get more? But I think part of the reason there is there's a couple things, Matt. I think number one is, you know, more than anything, he just wanted to be he didn't want to go out there in a three million dollar salary this year. The Bills mm-hmm. gave him a six million dollar raise. And I think that with that comes some concessions that, yeah, we'll give that to you. And if you perform, you're going to get a lot of money in your pocket and set up. I also think Tyrod's not necessarily, I could be wrong, the kind of guy who says, I need to be the highest paid quarterback. He just wants to be fairly compensated, well compensated, and he wants to go out there and play football. But there is some of look, this is the first time that this particular agent had a situation like this with a quarterback. And maybe he didn't treat it the way he should have on his client's behalf. He's had situations with running backs who've been in this position. I think Matt Forte was one of them. There was uh, another one that escapes me. But I, I think, you know, maybe that's part of it as well. But so people understand, here's the base way you can just look at this. And I'll try and just, I, I've, been, I've been thinking all morning before going on with you, the best way to simplify it, and I'm sure you've done the best way you can as well. But here's the way I came up with it. This is essentially... All this is is, first, the Bills gave Tyrod Taylor a raise this year of $6 million. That's mm-hmm. all. That's that's number one. Don't even worry about an extension. They just gave, they said, Tyrod, for what you did and for the fact that we don't want you going out there on $3 million and saying, hey, you know, do I really want to go hard? Not that he would. We're giving you a $6 million raise. So he's going to play this year on $9.5 million. After this season, the Bills will decide, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? If he is not the guy, then they move on. If he is the guy... Basically, starting next year, they will give him a brand new contract, five years. They'll give him $15 million in a signing bonus for that contract, and then a $12 million salary. So, yes, he will get upfront in cash $27 million next year, but that signing bonus will be prorated only $3 million, a little bit over that, over the cap for the five years. That's all it is. So that's how this deal works. It's two deals. They're giving him a raise this year, and then they will decide after that, do we think he's the guy? Sure. All right, here's a five-year deal. You're getting a $15 million signing bonus and average annual salary after that of 12 or $13 million per mm-hmm. year. I would That's say, it. so I was thinking about scenarios this morning, and we'll get to your calls, 803-0550, If he's insanely good, he tries to renegotiate the deal, right? I mean, if he throws for 4,000 yards and runs for 500 more and combines for 40 touchdowns, He's going to say, uh, yeah, we're going to need to rework that, right? I, I guess I don't know if he would do it next year because he's going to get that $27 oh, million well, dollars right, in yeah, hand, right? right. Sure. But you're right. I mean, down the road, down the road, I think that's correct. Uh, that They would probably do that. you know. But the Bills also have that ability to get out of it if he is not that good. But you're right. I think that that would eventually come to pass if that were the case. Well, right. And the, the, the not that good scenario, there's only one that I could come up with that could be problematic with this deal and this might go for just any kind of deal, is if he's a little worse than last year, in mm-hmm. maybe I threw out some numbers, 15 touchdowns, 10 picks, 
you know, the numbers for completion percentage drop back, yards per attempt drop back. There's another injury mixed in, so he misses three, four games. That's the only scenario is just mediocrity dropping back a little bit, but not all the way to the bottom that would put the Bills in a tough situation. What do you think they would do there, Sal, if he had a tough year, but not a horrendous one, but, you know, one of those classic seven and nine type of seasons? That is the ultimate quarterback purgatory that they're back into. They would then have a serious dilemma on their hands because you could make a very, very strong argument that there's no way they should give him that deal that has already been signed and ready to go. The Bills just have to kind of kick it in and say, here it is. I wouldn't be surprised if they said we don't want to do that. You know, I mean, if that's the case, Matt, how bad is this team, right? And if that the team is bad, then maybe there are changes in the front office or with the coach. Now, that's not the plan, of, as I've reported all along. I mean, the plan is, hey, even if they miss the playoffs, there's no, hey, you're out. But what if, if, he, was, if he wasn't that good? How bad is the team? Do they win five games or six games? You may then just simply want to move on. But I agree with you. I think that is the, the worst-case scenario. I was thinking best-case, worst-case today. Best-case is, hey, he's really good. They're going to have him at tremendously low market value for five years if mm-hmm. he plays out the deal. Worst case is what you just laid out, that he's kind of right there and you don't really know if he's the guy. And then you give him the, you give him the $27 million, the cash that you're out, and then he's counting you know, 15 mil on your cap over the next five years, and what do you do with them there? And if you get out of that deal, it's still going to be some dead money. I think that is the worst-case scenario. Yeah, because if he totally blows up and throws four touchdowns and 17 interceptions, then you probably right, you probably go 1-15, in 15 and then you just draft Deshaun Watson. But um, that, to me, seems like a pretty unlikely scenario. 803-0550-1888-552-550. Matthew Collar with you. Sal Capaccio, who will be hosting from 5 to 7 and then be on the sidelines as well for tonight's preseason opener between the Bills and the Indianapolis Colts. Let's go out to uh, John in Philadelphia here on WGR. How's it going, John? Hey, good, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure thing. Hey, quick thing for you guys. Um, looking at the quarterback situation, uh, like you guys were saying, I think it's a great deal. I think it's good on both parts. Uh, we have the opt-out at the end. I just I just leased a new Honda. I got three years on it. Um, after three years, I have the option to buy it out at a decent rate. If I, if it works for me, great. I could buy it out get a great deal on it. Um, I think that's really where the bills are here. It's like they're leasing a quarterback for the next year with the option to you know get him. But like thinking of a good quarterback, I think Tyrod's a good quarterback, and I'm excited about him. He's the most excited we've been maybe since Bledsoe. He wasn't really much. Um, you know, he buckled under pressure. But thinking of Tyrod, I think he's a good quarterback. But what takes a good quarterback to a great quarterback is not just the quarterback, but the team around him. Last year, Bills, I think, I think Tyrod played really good last year. He could have played, he could have played great in some people's eyes, but I'd say we give him really good. Um, played good last year, and look at the look at the team around him. The defense didn't play like it did the year before. I believe that the defense stepped it up. I know the record would give Tyrod, you know, a winning record as a quarterback. He did great, but I think his winning record would have been better if we had a better. We had a better defense around us, just a better, maybe better, some better coaching calls in certain situations. If you look at last year, every time the Bills scored, uh, every time the Bills held a team under 17, 17 points or under, they won. And only two times the Bills scored, or three times, the Bills scored under 17 points. And the three times the Bills scored under 17 points, two of them they won. The only game they didn't win was against the Patriots, and they were within a touchdown. You know, they were within one score of catching up to the Patriots. Yeah, I got, I got you, John. I got you. I got to get more from Sale Woo! here because we've got a preview of football game. But on what John is talking about, though, Sale, the wide receivers. 
Great transition into tonight, right? For what Tyrod Taylor is going to have to work with this year. I was just... I, we always mention pro football focus because they do numbers and I like to look at the numbers. So I'm just going to quote him, uh, them in saying that the bills were ranked 26th in their wide receiver situation, which includes the tight end. It includes Sammy Watkins, all the wide receivers, but also includes the tight ends too. They put them toward the bottom of the league going into the season. So what are we looking for tonight? And from some of these other wide receivers, not named Sammy Watkins, um, in terms of not just tonight, but the rest of the preseason and, and who might be able to step up? Well, first of all, to touch on uh, his other point before I get to that, Matt, just to, to clarify, the Bills can really honestly opt out after any year. This is a year-to-year deal, essentially, because of, the, because of only prorating a $15 million bonus. I mean, you can get out of it after one year, two years, whatever. You would just it's just a little more money on the cap after every year because you're prorating it. But so as far as well, they have opt outs in the last year. Well, that's true, but you really have opt outs any year, to be quite honest, because of the way that they structured it. So so everybody uh, realizes that. Just so there's some cap hit. As far as the receivers, hey, I mean, look, look, you know, I've been I've been the first one on and the last one to leave the Marquise Goodwin train here, right? And and I think he's a very key weapon of what this team needs to do. But he has to stay healthy. I'm. I know that just like everybody else is, and I'll tell you that. But if he does stay healthy, I think that's a very big key to what they're going to try and do on offense this year. I don't know if you can count on that. I guess you can't because he hasn't been able to, but he would be a really big addition. It's kind of like found money here if, if, if he could stay healthy. Robert Woods is going to be your number two. We know Sammy Watkins is your number one. He has to stay healthy, but so far, so good since he came back. Robert Woods has had a really, really good training camp. But if you go into the season, Woods... I'm sorry, Watkins, Woods, Goodwin, and those guys can stay healthy. I think you could have a much better and more explosive passing attack than people realize. Now that's when you sprinkle in the tight end who does have to become, to me, more of a part of the passing game of this offense. I think they were so run heavy last year that you really just didn't get that out of you know what Charles Clay. Now he had 51 catches. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a horrible year, and he was on the field a lot. That's what they paid him for. They didn't pay him to be Gronk. They paid him to be a three-down tight end which is what he did. I think Tyrod is set up with some some good receivers here in a passing game that doesn't need great receivers all across the board. Yeah, and I also if think If you go all the yeah, what if you what if you change OCs and you go, you know, run and gun spread throw it around. Now you're going to have to upgrade that receiving core a little more, I think. Yeah, I also think that LaShawn McCoy is just such a big part of the receiving yes. game in general. We saw him last year line up in the slot and just own a dude and catch a touchdown. I mean, LaShawn McCoy is such a versatile player that, I mean, you can use him not only just out of the backfield as a receiving option, but as a wide receiver at times, too. I think if I was rating it just in in terms of that, they have high-end talent from at least three players there that Tyrod Taylor can go to, and maybe four if uh, Robert Woods takes it up uh, the next tick. 803-0550, to jump on. Matthew Collarsale joining me as well. He'll be on tonight. How many snaps does Tyrod play tonight, Sale? Tell me zero. Can you tell me zero? I don't think zero? that's the case. I think he's going to play. I don't know, though. I think he's going to play. They may decide not to. You know, I mean, uh, you do have some issues on the left side of your line, but, you know, those guys have to play. Those are your, your players right now. They may have to go into the season and play if you know, guys are hurt. So I just don't think they're going to put Tyrod in harm's way. It would probably be very, you know, quick passes, three-step drop, get rid of the ball, maybe something out of shotgun and, you know, get rid of it as quick as you can. I, I, I do think he's going to play. I don't know for sure. We haven't heard that yet. But I wouldn't expect him beyond 
I mean, maybe if they go three and out, you put them back on another series because you, you need to get a little bit more rhythm going. That's just the way coaches think, whether people agree with they should do that or not. Uh, but if they go down the field, eight plays, get a field goal, okay, you're done. Put your baseball cap on. We're going with E.J. Manuel. What do we know about Aaron Williams' situation, Sally? Left the field the other night with an apparent concussion, and I don't really like how it looks on the depth chart beyond Aaron Williams. Yeah, he um, he's still in the concussion protocol, so I really highly doubt we'll see Aaron Williams on the field tonight. We still don't know what the situation is with Des Lewis. We know he hurt uh, the right side of his uh, arm, whether that's his shoulder or lower. Uh, I've been conflicting uh, things on that, but I think it might be a shoulder area, so we'll see where that goes. And by the way, that's a nice piece to have, too, a guy that's stepping up, it seemed like, in his second year, so you hope that he's okay uh, for Tyrod Taylor. Beyond Aaron Williams, yeah, I think, you know, you have a right to be concerned. I, I like what Robert Blanton's done, though, here in camp as far as how he seems to be really understanding the defense, moving guys around. But, you know, more than one safety has to play uh, throughout. You're not just going to go with Corey Graham and Robert Blanton for five, six games if Aaron Williams, for some reason, you know, is going to miss significant time. I'm not saying he is, but who knows? And then behind him is Jonathan Meeks and Duke Williams. And right now Meeks has the upper hand there, but he's a guy that you really don't know what you're getting out of him right now. If he has to play significant minutes, he's been hurt a few times in his career. He's played special teams. You know, this is his, his third year in in this league. He's going to need to step up. And then Duke Williams, I think unfortunately is on the outside looking in right now, the way it looks, I think Colt Anderson's safe, but not a guy you want to put on the field necessarily. He's a special teams guy uh, through and through. So I, I, agree that there should be some concerns behind Aaron Williams, but at least I'm encouraged with how Robert Blanton has played and looked in this defense so far. Sal, I'd like to throw a couple more players at you. Give me one sentence on these guys, okay? Okay. Just especially on the defense, because I think that's where a lot of the focus is, I mean, just going into the season, but especially after the injuries, it's something that I want to keep an eye on. Zach Brown. Three-down linebacker who won't give you as much on run support but can handle all the duties how about randall johnson i need to see more still i the guy that i have targeted several times during this camp that i've been on the radio telling you guys six four two fifty looks amazing but he's had a really good camp and he's finally accepted his role inside and, I, and because he moved from sam linebacker when he got in this league and i think he could be a very important piece he's got to step up and be the player they thought he could be when they brought him in a guy that I'm intrigued by, Kevon Seymour. I have not seen a rookie, even Darby last year. Darby had his struggles, as we know, in preseason especially. I liked how Darby looked you know, on the hoof last year, walking out, and his hips and everything. But in actual passing situations against wide receivers, I have not seen a more technically sound uh, rookie, unheralded at least, as Kevon. I think he's had a solid camp is going to help. All right, last one for you, IK and Polly. Bills are in trouble if he has to play significant downs. I mean, he can come in there. He can be a a part of the rotation, but I don't think you want him lining up on that spot, you know, as an every-down player. And look, for all the Eric Stryker love out there, I love him too. I know you didn't mention him, but I'm just going to tell everybody, you know, Eric Stryker's probably going to have a few sacks this preseason because he's going to go against third and fourth string tackles, and we're all going to go gaga. And I like Eric Stryker, but... He also is not the answer at outside linebacker. He is a special teams player who needs to grow into being a a player who can play uh, uh, at that level, up near the ball. With his size and stature, he would only be a sub-package player anyway. But uh, I love him too. I just think people need to slow down a little bit on him and understand exactly what he is. He's a guy that winds up making the team as the 52nd or 53rd guy on special teams if he does. All right, one last name to throw at you. Alex Rodriguez. 
I'm glad he's finally not a Yankee anymore. <laughs> not that I didn't root for him when he batted. Hey, he's on my team. I'm going to root for him. Big, big home run in the 09 series against Philadelphia. I'll take it. But uh, I'm glad they're finally resetting the button, if you will, in New York. Uh, like they did back in the early 90s before they made their uh, historic run, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, you know, I just, I keep seeing articles about, well, it was unfair the way that they treated him here at the end, and Alex is actually more likable than you think he is. And it just yeah. to me, he was at the very, very bottom of the list for likable players, just dead last. And I read a cool story, I don't know if you saw this by John Heymansale, you're uh you know, knee-deep in football stuff. I don't know if you've been mm-hmm. watching or thinking about I know about who he is. Though. I have not seen it yet. Uh, but John Heyman wrote a story about Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter that Jeter essentially turned his back on Alex Rodriguez after A-Rod had made some comments about Jeter and saying that he wasn't that important to the Yankee lineup or something, just in an interview. And Heyman wrote that A-Rod, in spring training, drove to Jeter where he was staying for the Yankees spring training. This is when A-Rod was with the Rangers and essentially cried at his doorstep asking and begging for forgiveness. And Jeter just said, no, no, I'm good. (laughs) And if you notice, if you notice on Twitter, when Ichiro got his 3000th hit, Jeter tweeted, great guy, Ichiro, great teammate. Congratulations, buddy. And Alex Rodriguez announced his retirement, or I guess his at least quitting the Yankees, not official retirement yet. And not a peep from the captain. I think that's interesting. Wow. No, I, I, I do too. And he's Derek Jeter. He doesn't have to do that. You know, my wife's first thing was, we were, I turned on the final game the other night. I'm like, oh, it's A-Rod's last game. And I, I, she said, is he still married to Madonna? <laughs> I don't think he ever was. I think he might have dated her, but I don't think they were married. But, you know, that that's what he is to some people. You know, to all of us uh, who watch baseball, he was, Matt, he was one of the greatest hitters of our generation. He really was. Unfortunately, it'll be tainted because of what he did, and he did do that. But to a lot of people, he's just kind of this character that he was out there for a lot of weird reasons, and they don't know that. And someone like my wife, he's like, is he dating Madonna still? Yeah, it it always, with him and Barry Bonds especially, it kind of just makes me sad because those guys are all-time great talents that destroyed their legacies by cheating the game. And when mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez comes up and he puts up 40-40 at age 21, he was a freak show. A lot of people thought he could have been an NFL quarterback. Just the, uh, I was listening to Raul Labanez on ESPN Radio talk about A-Rod and seeing him as an 18-year-old when they first signed him and saying, that guy's going to go in the Hall of Fame. And... Uh, you know, and then he has this Hall of Fame career, but the whole thing just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And I, I also, I don't know how many um, baseball people you follow, Sale, but sometimes on Twitter, you know, I'll run into baseball writers and things saying, oh, you know, steroid area era, get over it. Like, who cares anymore? Like, I don't know. I was never okay with people cheating the game. And I'm sorry, I just can't put that aside because the guy put up a bunch of home runs. No, I hear you. It's a it's an awkward spot, I think, to be in sometimes for me, first of all, when it's one of the guys that's on my team. But even more so, Matt, it's because there are so many guys who did it that I don't even know of, and I'm convinced of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know, yeah, we know what he did, and the, obviously the, the proof is right there. But there are a lot of guys who also did that, and we don't know it because they didn't necessarily look like Alex Rodriguez or hit all the home runs at Alex Rodriguez. So I always get conflicted trying to do that and put those pieces of the puzzle together for sure. I just think you should put an asterisk in the Hall of Fame and say, look, from this year to this year, lots of guys were thought to do steroids, and 
judge by yourself. There are many people in here who may have actually done something, but we don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm all fine with putting him in the Hall of Fame, but it's like I, I don't have to like him, though, you know? Nope. I could still... No, and I don't think he's... That's right. That's I agree. I don't think he's a great human uh, a human being as far as, like, a baseball player and all the different things that he's done on the field and knocking the ball away and yelling and things like that. I, I hear you. You don't have to like him for sure. Uh, Sal, I bet you're pumped for tonight, aren't you? Hey, man, you know what? It's football. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's only preseason. You know what I'm looking forward to really is being with my team again, if I can. Uh, Murph and Kelso just love, you know, working with those guys. They do a great job on the broadcast, really do. And, you know, we had our, our dry run the other night during the night practice, and it was just fun being back out there with those guys again and uh, talking football. So I am. I'm pumped, and uh, I know a lot of people have tweeted me that they're ready for tonight to see my bald head walking on the sidelines. So hopefully we see some people out there and we can uh, keep the rain away a little bit. That's the big thing I'm concerned about. As always, Sal, sunscreen and have a good time tonight. Yes. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to everybody <laughs> at 5 o'clock. Sal Capacho, you can follow him on Twitter, at Sal Sports. He will be on the sidelines. Also be leading you into the preseason game from 5 to 7 o'clock. Let's talk about the wide receivers a little bit and more on Tyrod Taylor's contract when we come back. Sports Talk Saturday, Matthew Collar, Nate Geary as well on WGR. We, we looked at it as we have a quarterback now, and we're, and I hate to say it, but lack of a better term, uh, we didn't want to be greedy. Uh, we like working with Tyrod. We have faith in Tyrod. The coaching staff has faith in Tyrod. But most importantly, the team has faith in Tyrod, and Tyrod has faith in himself. That is Buffalo Bills general manager Doug Whaley there, Matthew Collar, Sports Talk Saturday, talking about Tyrod Taylor's new contract, gets him a little bit of a raise this year, so he will make $9.5 million, then gives the Bills a big decision to make at the end of this season, whether to pay him $27.5 million cash, not as a cap hit, but to pay him $27.5 million next year and go forward with him for the rest of the deal, or a uh, potential opt-out there for the Bills. So, a I think an excellent contract, exactly the way it should have been structured, gives Tyrod Taylor a chance to prove that he can be the top quarterback for this team, and also gives him a chance to make a lot of money if he can. Quick correction, as pointed out to me by Paul Hamilton, uh, Derek Jeter did put out a statement saying congratulations to Alex Rodriguez. Pointed out in the New York Daily News article that it took him a while. (laughs) I hadn't seen it. I had only seen the article by John Heyman that was pointing out that Jeter had nothing to say when Alex Rodriguez announced that he was going to be playing his final games in New York. But he finally did uh, release an official statement, as Jeter would, right? I mean, Derek Jeter has been pretty much out of the limelight Since he retired, I do not expect that that will be the case for Alex Rodriguez, um, if you've heard him talk. And and consider, this is, I think, one of the least likable players that has played in professional sports over the last 10 years, or maybe the entire time that I've been watching sports. Alex Rodriguez is all the way down on my list. Um, But I think he will be a tremendous analyst if he wants to do that. He was with, I think it was either TBS or Fox during the playoffs last year, and he was natural in front of the camera. He sounded good. He had good things to say, and maybe it's a way to revamp that image a little bit because even with a good season last year, and he got a lot of praise for it last season for coming back from the year suspended, um, I think he's still, in most people's minds who like baseball, even Yankee fans, like Sal said, 
feel either uncomfortable about rooting for Alex Rodriguez, many of them, or just flat out say, yeah, if he hits a home run, I'm happy, but I don't like him. Um, And he did that to himself with the cheating, the steroids, the lying, all that stuff, and then other strange and bizarre drama that went on with Alex Rodriguez. 8030550188552550. We have preseason football going on tonight at Ralph Wilson Stadium. Sal Capaccio starts our coverage at 5 o'clock. Then I will be back in front of this same microphone along with Nate Geary and Brayton Wilson with the post game tonight. Um, and I guess we'll be talking about hopefully. Tyrod Taylor not playing, but we'll see. It has not been announced if Tyrod Taylor is going to get some reps tonight. But I've I've got a list of things that I'm interested in. Cardell Jones is one of the tops. And who plays on defense and at wide receiver, how many reps they get, how many targets they get. And just when it comes to the wide receiver position, that Pro Football Focus article really caught my eye, ranking the Bills as 26th in the NFL with their wide receiver situations. Now, I don't want to go down every single one and say, well, better than this, worse than that, better than this, worse than that. I think the it really ties in to the Tyrod Taylor prove-it season. That beyond Sammy Watkins, just in the wide receiving core, it's on shaky ground. And I, I think when you have Drew Brees or you have Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterbacks in the league, then... You usually say, and Aaron Rodgers struggled at times last year with wide receivers that they picked up off the street after Jordy Nelson went down. But you normally say, okay, they can make up for it. Cam Newton's a great example last year. MVP season after his number one wide receiver went down. Calvin Benjamin didn't play last year. And they make the Super Bowl. And Cam Newton wins the MVP. And he did it by throwing some passes to his tight end and running himself and just getting mediocre wide receivers to look better than they are. I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is that type of quarterback who can make your mediocre wide receivers look better than they are, but there's two things that come to mind with that is how does this group of wide receivers fit with what Tyrod Taylor is going to do scheme wise. And this is something that we can't really watch for in the preseason, but they've got a mix of different skills with the wide receiver that they have. Tyrod Taylor's got a great deep ball. Marquise Goodwin, if there's one thing he can do, if he stays healthy, it's jet down the field. They have sort of possession wide receivers. They've got the one tall guy in Desmond Lewis to throw it up to. They've got a couple of the the slot style wide receivers, Greg Little and Greg Salas. And I would even put Robert Woods sort of in that same conversation as more of a possession wide receiver than a guy who's going to stretch the field. The, the the combination, maybe you have a thought on this, Nate, the combination of skill sets for some of the different wide receivers that are behind Sammy Watkins, who if it was up to me, they would throw to every single time. Just no other play calls <laughs> other than throwing to Sammy Watkins. That he would have 200 targets and catch 130 passes and you'd have a really good offense. That would He might not be able to handle that physically, something I kind of didn't factor in there in terms of, catching every pass but um anyway he's the most talented player on the team one of the most talented in the league but when you're comparing the rest of the wide receiving core in terms of being role players we've got some different skill sets here and i i wouldn't put it so far down just because the names aren't as big 
I think what each of them can do is bring a little something different to the table. Each of them, whether it's Greg Salas and his ability to kind of find... He, he is the Chris Hogan of this team now, a guy that just knows where to be and can catch the ball when it's thrown to him. Greg Little brings that size and speed in the slot position, as you talked about in the slot, that a lot of teams are now doing. You look at the Jordan Matthews of the world. You look at some of these teams that are going with bigger, more possession receivers in the slot because it is that matchup uh, nightmare for a lot of safeties and outside linebackers. But like you said, I mean, it's it's interesting. Maybe the talent, overall talent, isn't where a lot of fans would like it to be with the big names and everything else like that. But what you have to like is they're going to be able to play situational football and have Greg Salas maybe on third downs on certain plays. And, and maybe instead of Greg Salas this time, it's Greg Little because it's a different formation. So they're going to be able to switch a lot of things up with the mainstays, obviously being Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. But they're creating different matchups. And as you mentioned with Sale, I mean, LaShawn McCoy coming out into the, and playing with some wide receiver is is electrifying. And what I think we haven't talked about yet is if Reggie Bush can be healthy, that was that was like his thing, was coming out of the backfield and catching the ball. But not only that, running routes. He can play that position, that slot receiver position. And I think that's what their plan is with him. They're going to have all sorts of plans for Reggie Bush. It's just whether or not he can stay healthy. 803 Matthew Collar, Nate Geary here as well. Now that's something to watch. Is Reggie Bush going to play? And how many reps may he get tonight, or how many snaps? We get to call him snaps. Exciting. Get to call him snaps instead of reps. All right. Speaking of that, uh, okay, need my mouse to work. Come on, mouse. Come on, mouse. Oh, uh, Nate, mouse isn't working. Oh, there we go. All right. There's always a backup plan. That's the one thing that uh, if you ever, just anybody who's good with technology, not me in particular, but when it comes to radio and all the inner workings of all the stuff, if something doesn't work, there's always a way to get it to work. So if my mouse doesn't work, I just start panicking and yell Nate's name and he'll hit it. Uh, but the mouse is okay. Um, here's what I want to know from you, John in Rochester. How many snaps would you give to Tyrod Taylor tonight? I'd give him uh, three, but that's all he's going to need for the first touchdown pass. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, John. Good answer. But listen, you know, I, I got to tell you, what can I tell you? I'm pumped, I know you're pumped up. I'm pumped up uh, for, for tonight's game. I'm always pumped up for preseason because you see all this young talent and competition, and it's, and it's build season. But, but, you know, I'm really interested to see uh, uh, EJ. And I'll tell you, I, I, I think, number one, Tyrod Taylor is a phenomenal quarterback, and I think he'll be one of the best in the NFL but but EJ, I think, is a real good backup. But you know what's going to be interesting, Matt? I think uh, uh, regardless of what happens to EJ, I think he'll be gone next year because some, somebody's going to pick him up, uh, and he'll probably make a lot of money. What are your thoughts on uh, going up into the draft and uh, getting Chad Kelly? John, why am I – it's the preseason, first preseason game. Why am I drafting players next year? What are you doing to me? Well, Chad, I just read an article. Chad Kelly's one of the favorites for the Heisman. So, so anyway, this is this is my thought. I love what we got at quarterback. I love T- a Tyrod. I love EJ. I don't think EJ will be around next year as a backup. And uh, I think uh, maybe we'll set the seed for uh, Chad Kelly. You know what I think, John? Thanks for the call. Every time I think I know what you're going to say, you throw me a curveball and you 
You get me every time. Thank you, John. I appreciate the call. Uh, Chad Kelly, I'm looking forward to his football season this year. I mean, he really did play well last year. I have no idea at this point what he's going to look like in terms of draft status, but it was fun to watch his rise last year and how well he played and putting his name on the national stage by beating Alabama. And one point that John did make that, that I even think I was listening, I think it was yesterday morning, was Howard was talking about it. Maybe it wasn't yesterday, but two mornings ago, uh, where like after halftime, Howard's just like done. He doesn't want to watch the game anymore. I, I'm kind of like John. I'm like sort of a film junkie, and watching these younger guys who aren't going to be probably playing on a roster anywhere, mostly practice squad guys, it's interesting to me to watch the development, especially a year-to-year guy. Um, someone like James Wilder, who's been in the league for two years on other training camp rosters, and now he's here in Buffalo. I'm excited to see, because I watched a little bit of him last year in preseason. He tore it up for the Bengals and then didn't end up making the team, and now he's going to get an opportunity here in Buffalo. I'll be, I'll be excited to see if there's a, a difference in him this year and other guys like James Wilder, too. Well, there's definitely a reason to watch into the fourth quarter, and that's Cardell Jones. I'm fascinated by Cardell Jones. And what people have said about him in training camp is that his arm is so ridiculous that I think it was Adolphus Washington said he could throw it 60 yards from a knee at midfield. All right, I want to see that. I mean, just him being a draft pick in general is kind of interesting. 803-0550, Focusing a lot on Tyrod Taylor and his contract, and there's a couple of different angles that came to my mind, one of them being that there aren't, I don't think that despite uh, Pro Football Focus's ranking on the Bills' wide receiving core, there's any excuses for Tyrod Taylor. Um, even if it's injuries to a wide receiver, if it's not Sammy Watkins. Now, if it's Sammy Watkins, that's different. But anyone other than Sammy Watkins, I think he's got good enough weapons to succeed this year. And also, after this contract got done, and the other moves that you've seen, the other contracts that the Bills have uh, done with like Marcel Darius and so forth, how are we feeling about Doug Whaley and the Bills' front office? 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550 is the number to jump on. Hope Solo had a meltdown yesterday after the U.S. women's national team lost. And a lot of people are upset because that's what they do. But I'm going to tell you why I'm not when we come back here on WGR. I, I, I saw elements of respect from the other players. The leadership developed. And then coming in this offseason... He took the bull by the horn and just took it up uh, another step. Galvanized not only the offense, but the defense, the whole team, and uh, undeniably the leader of the Buffalo Bills. That is Buffalo Bills general manager Doug Whaley. Matthew Collar back here on Sports Talk Saturday. We've got another hour coming up, and uh, we've discussed a lot of Tyrod Taylor. We will get heavy into preseason mode as we come up tonight for what to watch for. So 803-0550-1888-550-2550. And I also want to ask Nate about some of the other teams around the league and how we're feeling about just that everything is about playoffs, right? Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. How we're feeling about some of the other teams in the league as the rosters start to take shape. I know it's still a little early, but uh, we'll take a look at just mostly the AFC and who the Bills are most likely to be competing with uh, in the AFC this year and how they're shaping up. All right, so Hope Solo. Uh, Yesterday, the U.S. women's national team lost, 
in a shootout. And after the game, she said, quote, I thought we played a courageous game, but I also think we played a bunch of cowards. The best team did not win today. That's what she said. She said, Sweden dropped off. They didn't want to play open. They didn't want to pass the ball. They didn't want to play great soccer. That's what Hope Solo said. And what has followed that, those bunch of quotes, is a ton of criticism for Hope Solo for being a sore loser and so forth and not representing the country very well and just on and on and on and on. And the reason is solely because Hope Solo is not likable. Uh, There was a domestic violence issue that had to do with family members where the police were called and there were other, you know, other details. I watched the outside the lines report on that. And there's a a history of her being just, I think the technical term is jerk face. Isn't very likable. Doesn't come off as very likable. Doesn't come off as friendly. Doesn't come off as humble. um, Needs a better PR team, maybe. But what she actually said, if we're looking at just what she said and not, well, she isn't likable because she's got this history of being not the most nice and friendly and cuddly person. I feel like we get this on a year to year, almost day to day basis where someone says we were the better team tonight and we ended up losing and that's irritating. And I think of Hope Solo, 35 years old, and the best in the world to compete at the Olympics, not everybody's the same. I mean, some of these people that win or lose, they will say the same thing no matter what because somebody with a microphone is in front of their face, and that's just what they've always trained themselves to do. But Hope Solo, competitors, you play with an edge. You have to work insanely hard to get to the highest level. And I think about this with Cam Newton, too, after the Super Bowl. You work so hard to get to that level, and you compete so hard. And then when it doesn't work out, people expect the perfect reaction from you. And I just, I don't understand that. I mean, if I, I mean, little things, you know, I mean, all of us do this. If you get, I don't know, you bump your head on a lamp or something. I have this lamp that hangs down in my kitchen it's in the worst spot possible it's like right where my head is and i don't know how many times i've walked by the thing and dinked my head and i have a bad reaction to that like (laughs) you know bleep you lamp and 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 you, you put all this work into like just think about the number of things that we get angry about on the road or whatever else things that have nothing to do with anything and you lost, and you're super mad, and you think, what a stupid sport this is where they don't even want to play, and they just held out for a shootout, and they end up winning with this stupid shootout, which is the they're kicking the ball six feet away from me. Like, you get sort of irritated even talking about how it went down. and then But you expect the expectation for athletes who compete and play with an edge and work like crazy to get there to just be like... Well, you know, God wasn't on our side today. Like, well, I mean, some of them can do it, but other athletes are going to be a little more straightforward with you about how they really feel. And I don't think we should punish them for it. I also don't think we should make it a referendum on how they are as a person. Hope Solo might be the worst person that's ever been born, but that doesn't make that quote 
anything different than LeBron James has said the same thing. There are hundreds and hundreds of stories about Michael Jordan, about, you know, being a bad teammate or the different things that he did. And we, you know, if they won or they have a good reputation, then you praise them. If they have a bad reputation, you say, no, they're the they're, they're worst thing that's ever happened. And then it's it's like a competition of who can write the most scathing tweet slash column about Hope Solo. And it's just really frustrating to watch. Sorry. It's a competitor wasn't happy to lose. It, it was it wasn't if it was if it was your son or daughter, you would be like, hey, let's be let, you know, let's be a little bit better in terms of uh, being a teammate and a, a good loser there. This is not your kid playing Little League. This is the freaking Olympic Games. I just it's the NBA. It's the NFL. It's like with Cam Newton. It's this this is Super Bowl. And he was supposed to react a certain way. But if Tom Brady or Bill Belichick did the same thing because of their reputation, because they have so many wins, you know, they just they get a pass for it. And they have I mean Bill Belichick. How many scathing columns were about Bill Belichick when he walked off the field without shaking hands? Not many. Didn't see many of those, but he did it. So if you've won before, then you're fine. Even though Hope Solo has won before, but has a bad reputation. It's all about reputation, not really about the facts. I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about with Colin Cowherd and his comments about Buffalo and how we feel about quarterbacks and the team and all that. Just whatever reputation he thinks that we have, then he's just going to say it and not care about any of the other details. Anyway, that's what just bugged me yesterday. It was one... Like what thesaurus.com, what is the most harsh word I can use to describe Hope Solo's behavior? Like I've never watched anybody compete in sports before. Uh, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, Matthew Collar, Nate Geary. Sorry, Nate, going uh, late to the break ranting about Hope Solo, just as we all expected for today. Um, we'll talk some more about Tyrod, what to watch, and the defense. I asked Sal a lot of questions about the defense earlier. We'll go through those when we come back. Matthew Collar, Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 